Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. Please be seated. We do not know how he was cleared, cured from blindness. We only know he was blind at birth. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the most precious gifts we have is the ability to see. And we sort of take it for granted. Some of us have had difficulty with their eyes and we've had to have work done. Some of it is so are successful, pretty successful. Sometimes it's not too successful. But at least they can restore our eyes. I was at uh, a hospital in Seattle used to be Swedish. Now it belongs to the sisters, so it's part of Providence system. And uh, I was in there, I don't know what exactly, I can't remember now what I was in there for, but some kind of situation. And they wanted to look me over, so I was there. And I came out into sort of the waiting room, and then they wanted me to sit down in a chair for a while, get my bearings. And there was a woman there, an older lady. And I have have that propensity to talk to people, especially about our Lord or bless them or something. And uh, her daughter was with her. And she was sitting on like a table situation. And the daughter volunteered the information that she could not see in either eye. But she was there to have a, some kind of transplant so she could see. And I thought myself, how brave to cause the operation which was to help her sight, she had lost her sight. And yet, she was hopeful that they could give, do whatever they had to do to restore her sight. My dear brothers and sisters, we are in that situation lots of times. Uh, I read it, I listened to a priest yesterday. I got a big kick out of him. He's a a, uh, Malkai priest. And he was very flamboyant and, and exaggerating with his uh, hands and things. 
Now, my Aramaic is terrible, you know that, but he did call Mishael. He called him the Messiah. And it just struck me for some reason that we very rarely just talked about our Lord as the Messiah. We know he's the Messiah, we believe that, but in his sermon, he's talking about the Beatitudes. I'm not talking about the Beatitudes today, but he was very excited about them and how those Beatitudes opened us to understanding, to new sight from the Messiah. He did a beautiful job. Although it was in Aramaic, they had it sort of printed and on the picture, and I read that, and I could understand a few words. And so that we were, the two of us were watching, the, but we learned some new words in, in uh, Aramaic. I enjoyed it. But I looked around after that. I was so excited about that. And I thought, our situation, do we really see? Now, we have many gifts. So not only do we see the beauty of the world if we look at it, but we can read sacred scripture and and gain understanding. We can feel with the eyes of our heart the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. And then God gives us spiritual sight up and above all other sights. Like looking at the people we love and recognizing them. And being able to experience a spiritual person because we have spiritual sight. So we immediately recognize the life of God in that person. These are all types of sight. I think about the temple, as I was at the altar this morning celebrating, that the God is with us here in his energies. And we can look around the temple, and we know that this is God's place. And we know the icons are speaking to us from heaven. And we see the holy table, and we know as the, the words of the priest and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God himself is going to be there, body, blood, soul, divinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we can recognize and see this because we have these senses. We can see with our mind, especially our eyes, and especially our heart. Those are the greatest gifts. Those are the greatest gifts. Now, in the gospel, they were afraid of those gifts because of people around them and what they would accuse them of. 
and they didn't, you know, he said the boy, he's, he's old enough not to speak for himself. He says, the thing I only know is I could not see, now I can see. And I, this man is the Messiah because Jesus comes at the end of the gospel and asks for that confession. We should always be asking that confession of ourselves. And we should always, every day, begin to giving thanks to God for the gifts we have. And they may not always have them. And they would lament not having them and not having enjoyed them when we had them. We are complex, we human beings. The most important thing, I think, is beauty. This church is beautiful. Our religion is beautiful. It leads us in a romantic journey to the house of God, the house of the Trinity. We can only experience it if we have spiritual insight. So we do several things. First of all, we read spiritual books. Good books written by saints and by theologians and authors that we trust. And then we sit still and ponder. Think about and talk to God about what we've just read. That's the primary level of prayer. That's the primary level that gives you the sight to understand the, me the message of God. I've been reading the Bible for many years. I read a little bit every day, plus the liturgy. We're always reading biblical prayers. I'm always learning new insight. But if we don't take the time every day to be still, and, and like Jesus requests, be still and know that I am God, we miss a lot. Actually, we're not fulfilling our destiny of being on earth. We miss a lot. So um, I'm proposing to you that we do have time every day. I know you're busy, but you're busy about many things, not bad things, but of the world. And then I wonder if I appreciate the world. I, I was downtown the other day and I was looking at spring has sprung. How beautiful. What a miracle. And towards summer and fall, we get all this fruit from the earth. What a miracle. And it's nice to go and see it on the trees. 
I used to work at, uh, as a counselor at St. Joseph's Home in Peekskill, New York. These children there, there are about 400 of them. I worked there in the summers, and the rest of the year I was in the seminary. The nuns were there, very good to me. They gave me a summer job, and they made sure that I went back to the seminary with money, with $1,000 every summer. I don't know, I was worth $1,000. And I worked with these children. We had children there. Their parents came and dropped them on the porch. And if we caught them, we'd try to catch up with them, and they tell us, you can certainly do a better job than we can. We had a lot of little children. We had the baby's room. And the children in the baby's room were children that had just learned to walk. And most of them had been found in St. Patrick's Cathedral in a bench. And so they were at the, another home until they could walk and sort of feed themselves. Then they came to St. Joseph's home. They would be there till they were 18. The nuns would educate them, take care of them. A lot of people don't know what Catholic Charities does. The Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of New York supported all those children. Sometimes you see, well, what's the bishop going to do with Catholic Charities? I, well, I didn't know that Catholic Charities did that. So I was there. Now let me talk about the children. When you walked in the baby's room, I never worked in the baby's room. I visited it once. I was with the older children, about eight years old, eight-year-old boys. And uh, they would go like this, raise their hands to you, start to cry. They wanted to be picked up. And there were 30, 40 kids in these little, little children. And... Uh, how can you pick up that many children? But they need human contact. They need to be held. They need to be feel the warmth of love. There would be three or four nuns in there. They couldn't keep up with all that. But they were clean and they were fed. So one day, uh, I was getting our boys ready to go to the dinner. It's a big job, you know. I had 30 boys, another fellow, myself, and a nun, 30 boys. And we, we know boys. We know what they're like. They're wonderful, but they're a mess. So her sister says to me one day, she says, give them their shower and clean them up, put their, take their play clothes off and get them ready for dinner. The other fellow wasn't there at that point. I said, oh my God, what am I going to do? I stripped, they all stripped nude. There was a big gang shower. They all went in there. They say, take the soap, wash yourself down, now rinse yourself off, get a towel, dry yourself off, and then line up in front of your locker. So I had the intention of 
combing their hair after they got dressed so we could be down in time for supper. Well, my goodness, you have no notion about hair. Different people have different kind of hair. You're only used to your hair and your family's hair. Some of these children were uh, mixed children of different, they had different hair. So I'm trying to get the, them all combed up. I'm losing time. I have to get down because the Monsignor will be there. He had no patience with us, you know. He was a good man. He was just tired. And uh, so I got on the phone. I called Mother, Reverend Mother. I said, what am I going to do? I get this hair all over the place. It looks like a zoo up here. She says, go to the end of the uh, where they had their stuff in these cabinets. She says, there's a, a jar of uh, Vaseline. Just rub it on their head and comb it. So that's what I did. <laughs> but even 30 boys, that's a lot to do. So I got downstairs in front of the chapel. I set them on the curb because they had to go to confession before going to dinner. And the Monsignor was there. He says, Brother Joseph, where have you been? I said, I'm sorry. I didn't try to explain to him. I said, I'm sorry, Monsignor. That's all. Now, not only that, I had to tell each one what to say in confession because they didn't know how to go to confession. So I'd tell them the prayers, and I'd say, now you, you've done this. Have you done any of these things? Just mention it to Father, and he'll give you absolution. I said, you kneel down in church and say your prayer, and they come out here, and then we'll go to dinner. Well, that was traumatic enough, but we finally got out of there, and the Monsignor wasn't too bad. And uh, we got over to dinner, and I realized something so basic. I said to them, what are we having for dinner? You know what they told me? We're having flat meat. I said, do you have any idea what meat comes from and that there's different types of meat? No. This is flat meat. It's actually hamburgers. Came from beef. How much can we do to open people's eyes? They were criticizing the uh, Christian Christians of the white race the other day on the on the uh, radio, and I didn't care for that too much. You should criticize no race, but we're just living in a racist society. Everybody's being taught to hate everybody else. Not good should love everybody. Everybody has an immortal soul. Let's hope they have to get home to God. As the commenter said, well, something to the effect that these white people, they educate their children. And then a woman was there, and she said, well, those are probably the best we have. And she says, I know I shouldn't have said that. 
we have to learn not only with our children because we do a good job with our children they don't know that to open their eyes their ears their mouth teach them to express themselves but above all to be open to the revelation of God we can do all those other things to make our children a success, which we do very well. I had an adopted boy, a street boy. I raised him, you know, Christopher. I knew his family, too, and they were poor things. In trouble. In trouble because they didn't know Christ. And I had baptized him. And I saw he was very worthwhile. And I decided I was going to educate him. He's a doctor of music and a professor. I may have overdone it. Mother said I overdid it, but I don't think so. Children, listen to me. When he was young and a teenager and things like that, he didn't listen to me. I never had trouble with him getting to church or anything like that because I just told him, if you don't go to church, I won't feed you. <laughs> it's probably against the law. And no food is a sign of love, let's face it. Preparing for food for the people you love is an act of love. He turned out pretty good. He has his problems like we all do. He's living in a pagan society. But see the potential in the child and open them up so they can hear, see, feel, and grow. That's experience. That's success. I went to a very exclusive school, Gorton, New York, academic school. A lot of very wealthy people there. My grandparents were working class. My father was a CPA. He moved up. Everybody in the family moved up through education. My mother's family, they were already American aristocrats on the decline. Very interesting. What we have the opportunity to do for people in opening their eyes, their feelings, and their hearts. The most important job in doing that is teaching them to pray and to teaching them to appreciate their inmost being where God lives and open their eyes to human spirituality or the grace of the Holy Spirit. Very hard job because everybody around you in our pagan, materialistic, atheistic society is trying to destroy all of us. So, so the monks of the monastery, they said, well, when are we going to be persecuted? I said, you are persecuted already. may not have a dramatic persecution like the ones we read about, but you're under persecution. And they're doing everything they can to destroy our children. 
They're doing everything they can to sow doubt about our faith. And very successfully, they're destroying our church through lawyers and lawsuits. But we can be a beach, but we can be a poor church. But let us be a holy church. Let us feel the pain of God's love within our hearts. And let us long for God in all things. And he will come to you and reveal himself to you. And you'll be just like one of the saints you read about in the books. He is never far from us. He's always with us. You've got to be transformed in the grace of God. If you become transformed, everybody around you will know it, and they will love you. But God loved you first when you were conceived in your mother's womb. God loved you first. And there was a moment when you came forth from birth and God breathed the Holy Spirit into you to give you life. And of course, there's the sacraments which even super more abundant life. Or you would have not breathed. And he made your heart beat. How precious you are to God. He dealt all these things so you could experience and see him and the beauty of this world and the goodness of your brothers and sisters and the gift of your children. The children are God's gift to the church. They're my children. I'm their pastor. Pastor's always the father of the parish. Sometimes it's hard to think these lofty thoughts. But in today's gospel, we're invited not to be fearful like the parents were. To try to find out who Jesus is and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus came at the end of the gospel and introduced himself to the man that bore blind, might know and live, and announced it to the world. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.